Well, you find in those, that scripture I just give you, uh, in Genesis chapter 30, 35, verse 17, I give you that scripture there to start out with. <clears throat> Let me read you this obit, this obituary for this guy. I found this, uh, found this on the internet. And so this is an actual obituary, but this guy's name was Tim Schrant of Spillville, I think it's Iowa. Might be Idaho. But it says here, he, uh, Tim Schrant of Spillville made his last inappropriate comment on March 29th and passed away after a short battle with cancer at age 63. His folks said that he will be remembered for always wearing shirts unbuttoned three-quarters down, getting the beer and ice for family reunions, and his fearless way of approaching life. If you're wondering if you may have ever met him, you didn't because you would remember for those of you that did meet him, we apologize, as he was surely, as we're sure he probably offended you. He was world-renowned for not holding back and telling it like it is. Amen. <laughs> That's Brother Raymond. The, the fourth of eight children, the man chose to anoint himself king of all his younger siblings and happily spent his childhood and early adult years ordering them around in general, tormenting them. Known in, love for his, known in love for his stubbornness and need to get in the last word, in quotes, Schrant memorably once got into a fight with a nun while attending St. Wisensis School. And, and here's a quote from one of the family members. In fairness, she probably started it. You don't take a swing at Tim and not expect one back. So what I'm trying to show you this in this funny obituary about this guy written about this guy. I'm trying to show you is this guy is basically living every kind of life a Christian doesn't live and is taught to live. But it's, it's comical to read this. As after graduating from high school, Schrant served in the Army, an adventure which provided for many interesting episodes and stories, detentions and demotions, as well as a few run-ins with the law on a local and global, global scale. Schrant was in on to work as a tool and die maker at Stanley Black & Decker for more than 30 years. Now listen to what he says. Listen to this, Joker. And, when, and knew his colleagues to be friends and, quote, a bunch of morons, unquote. <laughs> I'm starting to like this guy. <laughs> he's, working with, he's working with these guys. He calls, yeah, they're some of my friends. Some of them are a bunch of morons. The Iowa, it was Iowa. The Iowa man, Iowa man leaves his partner Behind his partner of the last 13 years, Cheryl Murray. He, wasn't even, he didn't even marry her. They had to call her partner. As well as his two sons, Cody and Josh, and listen to this, and two granddaughters that, quote, that he adored and taught to cuss. He adored them and taught them to cuss. He will be, he will be having a reunion with his infant daughter, Ashley, his brother, Duke, his dad, Bill, many aunts and uncles, and a handful of cousins that passed before him. The obituary continued, Tim was in charge of getting the beer and ice for our family reunion, so they will be happy to see him. So that's implying that they're all up in heaven having a big beer bash right now. He was ready to meet his maker. I wonder if he was. He was ready to meet his maker. Are you sure about that? He's ready to meet his maker. I don't know, according to the Bible, if he was. He's ready to meet his maker. We're just not sure the maker is ready to meet Tim. Yeah, yeah, he's ready. Yeah, yeah, the, the maker's ready. I'm guaranteeing you, Tim's not ready. And then it went on to say, in closing, good luck, God. That's what this obituary is. Good luck, God. Here he comes. 
And this is the world in a nutshell right here. Everything, that, every, everything they do in this life is nothing but one crack, one joke after another. And I love to joke around. Y'all know that. You know I love to live life on the, on the fly. I love to joke around. I love to laugh. I have a black, black sense of humor. But when you're talking about, when, it, when you come to your deathbed, and you're telling, good luck, God, here I come. You're ignorant of what the Bible says about our God. Amen. I love to joke around about a lot of things, but I don't like joking around about salvation in Jesus Christ. Amen. I've had to preach way too many funerals to make a joke about somebody laying on their deathbed. Way too many funerals. And that's what I want to preach on this morning. I want to preach on, I read you this obituary because I want to preach on this morning on what happens, what happens when you die. The Bible's real plain about it, and I'm going to show you the scripture. There's something that happens to you when you die. Now, if you listen to science or you listen to most of the world is when, when you die, that's it. That's, oh, it's over with. There's nothing else happens to you. You're just a bunch of dirt. You go into the ground. The worm's going to eat you. That's it. You go into existence. There's nothing, on, there's nothing on the other side. That's most people's attitude out in the lost and dying world. And if they don't have that attitude, this is the second thing they'll say to you. They'll say, nobody can know what happens to you after you die. That's the second thing they'll tell you. Now, I'm going to go against both of those this morning and tell you, firstly, you can most assuredly know what's going to happen to you after you die. And secondly, I'm going to tell you with, with authority, with confidence, that the Bible tells you exactly what happens to you, what's going to happen to you, and what's going to happen to that old body that goes down into the grave. And Lord willing, I have enough time this morning, I get through this, I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you what happens to you when you die. You know, uh, this obituary stuff, the worst obituary, worst one I ever seen was, and my wife knows about this one because I, I make fun of it all the time. This guy in Coleman died. Coleman, Texas died. And for his obituary, the picture they put on him in there was him holding a cat. <laughs> you know, that's his obituary picture. He's sitting there like this, holding a cat. And, and I'm like, what in the world? You know, you can't get any worse than that. You know, for a man to have a picture. Of a, of a, a dying and you holding your cat, you know. And then it goes in there and uh, he's talking to his obituary. It talks about his cat and how much he loved his cat. And it's like, oh my gosh, this guy. This guy needed some testosterone shots if anybody needed testosterone shots. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is the most ridiculous, sad thing. And I'm telling you, you'll never. I mean, if, when, I, when I kick the bucket, when I kick the bucket, and you see a picture, if you see a picture in the paper of my obituary and I'm holding a cat, I can guarantee you my wife's pulling a joke on me while I'm dead. <laughs> she waited, she went in the bedroom, she found me, uh, my, my tongue hanging out, and she ran in there and got one of her cats, and she threw it on me, and then she got my eyes and she super glued them open. And <laughs> just click, put this in the paper. That'll teach him, you know. So I'm here to tell you the. <laughs> I'm here to tell you this morning. If you get, if you get, if you have an obituary picture and you use a cat and you're not a woman and you use a cat in your obituary picture, I don't think you're much of a man. I'll just tell you that right now. I want a picture of, and brother Ronnie. If I go out, I want a picture of holding like a, holding a gun, you know, or maybe two pistols or something. You know, that's how a man goes out with you know, die with your boots on, not with a cat in your hand. You know, that's the world we're living in. I mean, they don't, you don't, they don't, you don't see anything wrong with that? My wife loves cats, and I don't have no problem with cats, but I'm not going to have an obituary picture with a cat. I'm not going to go see the Lord holding a cat. That's what I'm trying to tell you right now, okay? I know I'm not, brother. I can promise you that. I mean, if I do, you know that woman right there has played a joke on me. And that's what I'm trying to tell you. 
All foolishness aside, let's look at what happens to you when you die, because this is what I want to talk about this morning. Let's, let's look at this. Look at verse 17. Genesis chapter 35, verse 17. And it came to pass when she was in hard labor. Now this is Rachel. She's about to die. And it came to pass when she was in hard labor, she's about to give a child, that the midwife said unto her, Fear not, for thou shalt have this son also. And then came to pass, notice this, underline this, it came to pass as her soul was in departing, for she died, that she called his name Benoni, but his father called him Benjamin. So when Rachel has this child and she dies having Benjamin, it says that her soul was in departing for she died. So the Bible says that in verse 18, it tells you what happens when you die. It's real plain. It says, as her soul was in departing for she died. When you take your last breath, when you're laying on your deathbed and you take your last breath, your soul is going to come out of your body. So when you take your last breath, when you die and you take your last breath, your soul is going to come out of this cocoon. Where so many people get the mistake is, is they don't understand what kind of, what they are in the image of God. God is a trinity, and in the image of God, He's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, anybody's underneath the sound of my voice who's a human being, they have a trinity. They're, they're a, they are a trinity. They are a body. They are a soul. They are a spirit. We're, we're, we were teaching some of this. We was learning about some of this in Sunday school for another subject when it came to sin, but I've got this still up here. You're a body, you're a soul, and a spirit. And uh, C.S. Lewis had it right. C.S. Lewis had it right. He said, you do, not, uh, you do not have a soul. You do not have a soul. You are a soul. You have a body. Your true self is not this outward body that everybody else can see as we walk around in this flesh, and this fleshly, uh, uh, fleshly world. You have a body. What you are is a soul. And that soul is going to live on forever. That soul's going to live on forever. And when it, it's attached to this body, and when you take your last breath and you die, you, the Bible sometimes calls it sleep. When this body goes to sleep, when you die, when this body's done, when sin has took care of this body for the last time, your soul's going to come out. And that's exactly what the Bible teaches us here. As her soul was in departing, it departs the body for she died. C.S. Lewis had it right. You do not have a soul I mean, excuse me, you do not have a soul, you are a soul, you have a body. So we need to keep that in mind as we, as we walk through this world that there's more to us than what people can see. And we know that there's something about us that you just can't take a picture, you can't just look at me and you don't, I have a soul, there's something there's deeper about me. And the Bible, uh, 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 we like to say, and the Bible kind of implies it, that the the windows to the soul are through the eyes, and there's something in those eyes you can see down into the soul. There's something down in there that you don't see in, in, an, in an animal, in a human, because we have something, uh, we, we're made in the image of God that's, you can only see in a human, you can't see in another animal. Amen. So when you die, the first thing that's happened to you when you die is your soul's going to depart this body. Now you can't see it. I've been in the rooms when people have passed away and went on to the Lord. You can't see that soul departing. Uh, The temple was set up where you had an outer court, that would be the body. You had the holy place, that would be your soul. Then you had the most holy, that would be your spirit, which is inside your soul. So you're made of a body, a soul, and a spirit. And when you die, that's, that soul is going to come out. And that soul, or that soul is in type like a holy place. 
It was a holy place. Nobody was allowed to look in that holy place of the temple. Only the priest was allowed in there. Only the godly were allowed in there. The priest that was specifically chosen by God were allowed in there. And so the soul is kind of like the holy place of the temple. Nobody can see it. You can't see it. it. You only can see it with spiritual eyes. And we don't have spiritual eyes. And that's where the world gets messed up is they only look at things in the flesh. And, and sometimes Christians can do this too. And we need to stop doing that and say, hey, there's something spiritually going on here. There's something spiritually going on in the world. There's a, there's, don't ever forget the spiritual side of things. When you see things happen, always remember that God's moving, God's working. There's angels moving. There's unclean spirits moving. There's what uh, people like to call demons. They're, they're moving. They're working. But so is God through the spiritual realm. We just can't see that spiritual realm. And I'm thanking God we can't. Could you imagine if God was to open our eyes this morning and see the battle going on in this room between this unclean and the, and, and the angels and the unclean spirits? And Can you imagine? Or we could see an unclean spirit or demons on a person. What would, it just would be a horrible sight. I'm glad we don't have spiritual eyes to see that kind of stuff. So what happens then? Where, where do we go? Okay, your soul leaves your body. Your soul leaves your body. Well, then what happens then? Well, the Bible tells us. Look at uh, Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. So when you pass away, your soul is going to disconnect from your body. Now, you can't physically see your, that soul leave that body when a person passes away. I've never physically seen it with my, I mean, with a, my physical eye. Now, you might have somebody claim they have. But I will say this. When somebody passes away, you know that when they pass away. I mean, it's pretty, to me, it's pretty obvious. I mean, it's like there's something in the eyes that just disappears. It's just something gone. Now, I'm not trying to be morbid, but it's just truthful that you can tell, I mean, that, that person's gone. They've departed. That soul, that body, now that body that was a living soul that was, that was alive, and that body, when that soul leaves that body, you can see it. There's something you just can tell. And, I, and I'm, not, I, I'm not saying I'm a, some kind of doctor or that I put my hand to some wrist and check the, butt, the pulse, make sure. But I just feel like what I, the experience I've had, the little bit of experience I've had of seeing somebody pass away, being in the room there, you, I could tell that soul had left. Now, I didn't physically see a soul leave, but I, I could tell that a soul had left. Now, look at Luke chapter uh, 16. Now, this is Jesus Christ, verse 19, verse 19. Luke chapter 16, verse 19. Now, this is Jesus Christ. And the question is, what happens then? Where do I go? When my soul leaves, I die. My soul leaves. Where do I go? Jesus Christ tells us here. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which, has, which was laid at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the uh, rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. So you have a poor man that's a beggar that's got sores all over, and that's Lazarus. And then Jesus Christ says there's another man here. He doesn't give us his name. He's a rich man. And so you have two different men here. And in verse 22, And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died, and he was buried. And was buried, and in hell lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeing Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. After your soul departs, brothers and sisters, after your soul, soul departs, no matter who you are, 
any human being, after their soul departs, they go to one or two places. They're either going to go up to heaven or they're going to go down to hell. Amen. That's it. That's it. Now, this idea that uh, people see ghosts, I'm not claiming they don't see ghosts. What I claim they're seeing is unclean spirits. They're seeing demonic activity or they're seeing echoes of something that's happened in the past. I'll say, well, this is this lady, and she's like in the, from the, she's dressed like she's from the 1800s, and I've seen her walking from this room to another. And in my mind, when I see that, I always think they're seeing echoes. They're seeing, uh, they're seeing images that, uh, of, of things that happened in the past. They're not actually living in that time. That thing, that, 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 what they'd call a ghost is, is not actually a, a, a somebody that's a soul departed. They're seeing images. They're seeing visual things that happened in the past. And if you see a ghost, what people, some people think of as a ghost or anything, that's just an unclean spirit. That's just demonic activity, poltergeist and stuff like that. But people get caught up in that. They say, well, that's my loved one. They come back to see. No. When your soul departs, Jesus Christ taught us, you go in one or two places. Amen. One or two places there. Okay, now look at it. Verse 22. You're either going to go to heaven and it came to pass that the beggar died. He died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell lift up his eyes, being in torments. One man was carried up to heaven, another man was carried to hell. Drugged down to hell. So after your soul departs, you're either going to heaven or you're going to go to hell. There's no such thing as purgatory. The Bible doesn't teach purgatory. There's no such thing as some holding place that when you die, if you're not so bad, you'll get to go to this little place called purgatory. That's something that some religions made up so you, they can get the money off the suckers, so you can pay them money so they can say that they're praying and see if they can get your loved one into hell, I mean, into heaven. Listen to me. When, you're, when you take your last breath, that's it. You're living it right now. Your life God's given you is for right now. You better live it. Because once you take that last breath or God kills you with a car wreck or God does whatever he's going to do to you at age 18, 30, 45, 85, 105, whatever he decides to take you, that's it. And you're done serving, doing whatever you're going to do. You need to make those decisions now. You don't need to be putting off saying, well, I'll just receive Jesus Christ later. I don't need any of that religious stuff. Listen to me. I have a friend, a Spanish friend of mine that uh, uh, Raul met him, Joe. He had a friend there in Comanche, and they tried to witness to him, tell him he needed to receive Jesus Christ. And he's like, I don't need Jesus Christ. I don't need Jesus Christ. I'll wait till I'm later. He specifically said, I'm going to wait till I'm older when I finish living my life, and then I'm going to take Jesus Christ. Then I'll look into that. But I don't want that right now. I'm having too much fun. I'm living. I'm drinking. I'm having all. He had all these stories he would tell them. Joe said that it wasn't maybe a week later, less than a week, maybe a week later, the guy was in one of those up, a ground, up a ground, above ground swimming pools, and he had one of those vacuums, and he's trying to clean out the, he's vacuuming out all the leaves and the dirt that gets in one, in one of those above ground swimming pools, and his family said that he was pulling that thing, and he pulled it, and he looked back, because he knew he probably pulled it too hard, and that electric, electrical thing fell into the water, killed him right there. Killed him dead. Too late. You're going to meet God. Amen. And it says the rich man went down into hell. If you're saved, when you take your last breath, if you're saved, brothers and sisters, if you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, you've received Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, 
when you take that last breath, when you can't breathe anymore and this body can't do it anymore and this soul departs from this body, you're going to come up and when you come up, there'll be angels there and they're saying, here we go. I'm taking you on up there and boom, here you go up to meet Jesus Christ. That's exactly what Jesus Christ said happened to, this, uh, to, the, to the poor man, to Lazarus and that's exactly what's going to happen to me when I take my last breath. Not because of me, because I can't get there. I don't know the way, but Jesus Christ and the angels know the way and they're going to take me on. Now, Brother Dodd, he was a great preacher down, at, uh, down in the Houston area with Bre Brother Lester Roloff. He was under Lester Roloff and Ricky Dodd. Some of y'all go to the nursing home ministry, y'all meet Ricky Dodd. That's his dad. His dad's, uh, uh, his dad's name was uh, Brother Dodd. Now, Brother Dodd they had a daughter, which was Ricky's sister. She was uh, about nine years old when she con uh, contracted leukemia. And she was around 10 or 11, maybe 12 years old when she finally passed away from leukemia. And her mom would tell me this story all the time. My wife was there when she was telling me the story one time, right? You heard this story too, Kathy? When uh, her, her mom was telling me that when her daughter had leukemia and she was about to pass away, or she was getting really, really sick and she, blood would just come out of her skin, you know, just, just everywhere. So what her mom would do to give her some relief, now this is back like in the 60s, her mom would take her and put her in this bathtub, you know, get a bathtub full of water and then put her, put her child in the bathtub. She said she was putting her down, putting her uh, a daughter down in the bathtub and her daughter sat down and then she walked out of the room to go get something and she heard her daughter just holler, Mama, 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 Mama. And, and Mrs. Dodd ran in there and said, What's wrong, baby, what's wrong? And the daughter said, Don't you see them? Don't you see the angels? They're standing right there. And Mrs. Dodd said she looked over the other side of the bathroom. She said there wasn't nobody standing there. But she said it was as real to her as they were standing right there. She goes, don't you see them? And she said, Keegan, she said, I, I thought that was awfully strange. So I went and I picked up the phone and I called my husband who was at work, Brother Dodd, and said, uh, uh, Clyde, he said, uh, she's in the bathtub and she's saying she's seeing, seeing angels. She said that Clyde didn't even say anything. He just said, hold on. And he just hung up the phone. He, he scrambled out from work. He got in his car and he drove home and he knew she was about to be took. Amen. And he got in. He got in the house and they stayed with her and then she, got, she went home to be with the Lord that night. Amen. The angels were there. Yeah. I believe the angels were there and they'd come in she was seeing them. The Lord opened her eyes for just a moment to see. I'm about to take you home. I'm about to take you home. When Brother uh, Trevor Wright was about to pass away, you know, he was in this church. I remember I went over to see him, and he had gotten to where they had him so drugged up that he wasn't awake, and his mom said, I think he's about to go. I said, well, why, well, why do you say that? And she said, well, he opened his eyes, and he told me, he goes, Mom, I, I'm about to go. I know I'm about to, about to go to heaven. She said, Trevor, why are you saying that? She said, she said, he said, Mama, I'm seeing beautiful women. Seeing beautiful women. It's real to me. I've had so many of my loved ones go on to be with the Lord. This stuff is real to me. Amen. And I know the Lord, when I take my last breath, it's not because of anything I do or anything I deserve. I know the Lord's going to be there. He's going to take me on. That's, that's my faith in Jesus Christ. But I'm here to tell you some bad news. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, when you take that last breath and your soul comes out of that body, you're not going to have angels there to carry you on to heaven. Just like gravity, just like this pen, it's just gonna, you're just going to drop right down to the middle of the earth where hell's at. Just gravity. Be like the rich man, and he in hell lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeing Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. 
And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. I don't read in my Bible where they're drinking beer. I don't see a beer bash going on down in hell. They're down in hell, and he says, if you'll just take your finger and dip it in water, just your tip in water and put it on my tongue, that would be enough. That's all I ask, because I'm tormented in this flame. So when I read obituaries where they're joking around, they don't mention Jesus Christ, they don't mention anything about him being saved, and they joke around about him going to be with his loved ones, and they're all drinking beer, and they're having a big beer bash, and everybody was saved, everybody's in heaven, everybody's together. That's not what the Bible teaches us. That's not what Jesus Christ tells us. That's why they don't like Jesus Christ. Because he's going to give you the truth if you like it or not. He's going to offend you if you like it or not. And they like to brag about this guy in this obituary I read to you that he, he would offend you and he was good at offending you and telling you like it is. Well, so was Jesus. Amen. So was Jesus. But the difference was is Jesus Christ is the truth. He has the truth. You're just a, a, a sinful man popping off, running your mouth. Jesus Christ wasn't running his mouth. He knows exactly what he's talking about. Verse 24, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. And, but Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things. Living it up, having a good life, go, living the dream and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and thou art tormented, tormented, tormented. Hell's not a party. Uh, brother, brother Gary had that bumper sticker he carried around on his car. He might, uh, might still have it. He said, the, hell, the party in hell has been canceled due to fire. The party in hell has been canceled due to fire. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed that, that so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that they would come from thence. You're not going to get out. Once your soul departs, and that decision's been made in your lifetime of where you're going to spend eternity, you're gone. And there isn't a priest, there isn't a preacher, there isn't a pope that can pray you out of there. You're in hell, and you're stuck in there. Verse 27, then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. So what, what this rich man does is, okay, well, if, if I can't get out, he goes, please send Lazarus, and I want him to go to my father's house to do what? Look at verse 28. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. He don't want them coming there. Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. You know what he just said? They have the Bible. They have the Scripture. Let them hear the Bible. Let them hear the Scripture. And he said, Nay, Father, the rich man that's in hell says, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them, looking." Listen, went unto them from the dead, they will repent. If somebody from the dead rose again and came to them, they would repent. Look at verse 31. And he said unto them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. I know one that rose from the dead. His name is Jesus Christ. And if you won't really believe this Bible, you're not going to believe in Jesus Christ, even if you know he rose from the dead. That's a testimony I know to be true. Now, 
you take that last breath, your soul is coming out of this old beat up body and here it goes. And if you're a born again Christian, the angels will be there and they're going to carry you down into heaven. If you're lost, you don't know Jesus Christ, you won't have anybody there. If anything, you'll have devils. You'll have unclean spirits take you and drag you down to a devil's hell. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, Paul wrote, We are confident, we are, listen, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body, absent from the body and present with the Lord. There's no soul sleep. There's some people who have taught over the years and centuries that when you die, that your soul's still in your body and they go and bury you out there and your, your soul's just sleeping because this body looks like it's asleep. The Bible says your body is asleep. It describes it as being asleep. So therefore they think, well, your soul's sleeping with your body. That's not what the Bible teaches. I've just shown you. Your soul's not asleep. Your soul's gone. Now your body is asleep. And it looks like it's asleep. In type, instead of being dead, the Bible sometimes will say instead of being dead, and it does use the word dead, but sometimes the Bible and Jesus Christ in particular say it's asleep or it's asleep. The body's asleep. But it's not the soul. Your soul don't go out to sleep and live out and waiting to be resurrected. I'm about to show you that. I'm about to show you that because once you're absent from the body, once your soul departs from this body, you're gone. If you're a Christian, you're absent from the body, present with the Lord. You're not absent from the body, wandering around, going and living in haunted houses, and doing all this stuff that the world wants to believe in. They want to believe in the spiritual side of the evil spiritual side of the world. They don't want to believe in the, the good spiritual side of God. They'll believe all day long in ghosts and unclean spirits and demons Hexes, curses, poltergeists, they'll believe, they'll, they'll just lap that up like slop, like pigs eating slop. They'll lap that up all day long. But when you talk about the spiritual side of a good Holy Spirit that loves you through the Holy Spirit that died for you, the Holy Spirit moves, the Holy Spirit moves on people's lives, can live in you, they won't believe that no matter how you feed it to them. That's a wickedness that's in us. That's a wickedness that's in us. So what about my body? I'm laid out. My soul's gone. What's going to happen to my body? Turn to 1 Corinthians 15. Let's look at that. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. What happens to my body? Now you've died. What happens to my body? Well, what they're going to do is they're going to embalm you or they're going to burn you. They're going to turn you to ashes or they're going to put you in a, 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 a funeral director's going to embalm you. They've got different things they're going to do to your body while you're gone. Then they're going to throw you in a grave, throw you in some dirt, throw the dirt over you. The worms are going to eat you from the inside out. This old body's corrupt. But what about it? What about your body? Because if you look at this, if you look at this, if we're made in the image of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, we're a, we're a, we're a trinity. We've got a body, a soul, and a spirit. If you're just a soul and a spirit... You're missing one part of your trinity. You've got to be complete. And that's what Paul's going to get into in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verse, uh, let's look at verse 35. He's going to get into this. Paul's going to get into this and explain to you what's going on. Now, it's amazing to me. Some, so many different funerals I've preached. And I've had uh, people, who work, the, the, the people who work at the funeral homes. I had one lady, when Brother Trevor passed away, and, and we, I preached his funeral, and we were going up to the... Uh, up to the cemetery, the lady that carried me up there for the whole 35, 45 minute drive, she, all she did is ask me about being cremated. Is it all right to be cremated? What do you think about cremation? Tell me what you, and I told her, I said, well, I'll tell you this. 
The Bible teaches that cremation is a curse. That's what the Bible teaches. Now, a lot of people cremate because it's cheap. It's a lot cheaper than getting a, you know, having everything else done. I said, I'm not judging anybody that does that. Now, personally, I don't want to be cremated. So if you see my obituary and I'm holding a cat and you find out I was cremated, my wife got the last laugh on me. <laughs> but the point is, is that uh, cremation... Cremation is just taking this old nasty rotten body and just burning it up. Now, in the Old Testament, that was a sign of a curse. And all our, all our fathers, our Christian fathers, our Jewish fathers of the faith, they've always embalmed and kept that body. Because, see, when you, when you keep the body and you try to preserve the body, what are you saying? That body's going to come back up. What you're saying is, see how I have them laid out, I have them embalmed, I have them preserved, I have them wrapped up, I'm taking care of the body, because I think that body's going to come back up. That's why we do that. When you take somebody and you put them in a furnace and burn them up and pfft, ashes, you're saying that, that body, I'm, that's not coming back up. Now, God can make that body come up. Amen. And what's interesting about that is, is that back about 1920, Clarence Larkin wrote some books and he, and he didn't know anything about science. Science was way, way, way behind on the Bible. Science is always behind from what the Bible says. But what he said is, it says, according to Scripture, and he's reading the same Scriptures we're reading back in 1920, he said, there must, because there's been people that have been in accidents, horrible accidents, where they were blown to pieces. Boiler room blows up, and they're just, they can't even find pieces of these people. What about them? How does God... Make a new body for them. Because we've got to get a new body. And he said, this is back in 1920, he said, there must be a little seed in every man and woman and child, a little seed in that person where God knows that seed and can take that seed and make a new body. Now, living in 2019, we have a kind of an idea of what that might be in DNA. Where we all have a unique DNA. And it's very unique, and God can take whatever little DNA, and that's DNA is something you can't see with your eyes, you know. You've got to have a microscope. And God can take the little particles like that, and he could take that and said, here it is, and make a new body, just like you had. Clarence Larkin couldn't see it, but science is telling us the Bible is true. So if you have a loved one that you've cremated, or got, that, you know, that they cremated, because there's been some people getting some big, Huge arguments about this, and family members fight over it and everything. Don't fret about it. Just let it go. If they, you know, don't worry. If you're going to get cremated after you, that's fine. It's just an old wicked. This body's sorry. This body's no good. It's wicked. If you're going to get cremated, just get cremated. I'm not judging you. I'm just telling you that the Bible, through, the Lord God says through the Bible, He can bring you back up. It don't matter what's happened to your body. So don't don't worry about it. Man, it's getting quiet in here. Am I hitting on a touchy subject? I hope, I'm not, I, hope I'm not a, I hope I'm not offending you, uh, not on purpose. I'm not trying to offend you on purpose. I'm just telling you what the Bible teaches on it. These are issues that we have to deal with today. I, I try to tell people, study the history of cremation. It's a heathen practice straight out of Africa. We're, 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 the only reason we're doing it is because it's easy money. It's easy. People are all about money nowadays. They don't want to spend more than two cents on something. They find out, oh, I can do this for $6,000 less. Here we go. Just cremate them. Throw them in there. Burn them up, you know. And, and I don't, I understand, we, we, money's tight, but the truth is, study it out. Study it out. You'll find out exactly what it is. And I'm not judging you if you've done it. I've had some loved ones. I just buried an uncle that was cremated, and we had his service right there at the riverside. And he was cremated, and they took his ashes, and they spread him out in the river and everything. You know what I said? I said, there's a seed somewhere in there, and those ashes, and you're going to spread those ashes, and when God decides to raise his body up, it's going to come right out of that water. 
somewhere out there in the pecan bowl, my uncle's going to come up. I believe that. Now, what happens to my body? Now, this is what's going to happen. Look at verse 35. But some man will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened, except it die. So, you can't have something grow unless the seed goes in and it dies. The seed's got to die, and then something grows up. But it's got to die, so you can't get a new body until you get rid of this old sorry body you got. Amen, we got to get rid of this body. And he says, you're full, that which thou sowest is not quickened. It don't come alive except it dies. It's got to go on the ground. It's covered up with dirt. Verse 37. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bare grain. It may chance of wheat or some other grain. But God giveth it a body as it pleased him, and to every seed his own body. So in verse 37 he says, thou sowest not that body that shall be. You don't put a whole oak tree in the ground and expect the oak tree to come up. You don't put a whole tomato plant in the ground and expect a tomato plant to come up. You put one acorn in the ground and a whole acorn, I mean a whole oak tree is going to come up. You put one tomato seed in the ground and you're hoping a whole tomato plant's going to come up. This sorry, no good body, when they plant me in the ground, it's going to come up a new glorious body in Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 21, who changed our, who will, who will, who shall change our vile body that it might be fashioned like unto his glorious body. So we're looking, we have this vile body. We're all walking around this vile body. It's full of sin. We want to have a body like Jesus Christ. We want it to be changed. And that's the promise, and that's what Paul's talking about here. Now skip down to verse 42 for time's sake, because I'm running out of I'm running out of time. Skip down to verse 42 for time's sake. So also is the resurrection of the dead. Now this is for born-again believers. If you're in here or you're underneath the sound of my voice and you're not a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, this does not apply to you. Your body's in the ground and it's not going to be resurrected till Revelation chapter 20. Go read Revelation chapter 20 because in Revelation chapter 20, it tells you everything you need to know what's going to happen to you and your body. You'll be pulled out of hell... You'll be set before the great white throne God, judgment of God. You'll be judged for your works. Your name will be looked for in the Lamb's book of life, and it won't be found. And when your name's not found in the Lamb's book of life, your, your, soul, your soul and your resurrected body will be called the second death. It's called the second death. You're, you're, you'll be cast into a lake of fire forever, tormented forever and ever. That's an inconvenient truth nobody likes to talk about. But it's true. That's what the Bible teaches. That's, go home and read it, Revelation 20. I'm not going to have a chance to preach it. But if you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ and you're in here this morning, I've got some really, really good news. Or if you want to get saved and you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this would apply for you, and you've got some good stuff coming. This is what you get in Jesus Christ, the best insurance policy in the world right here. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It's sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. This new body we're going to get, brothers and sisters, it's not the body that you have right now. It's not going to get cancer. I'm not going to lose my hair. It's, there's going to be some things that's going to be wonderful about our new body. I can't wait. We're going to be like Jesus Christ, like His body. Walk through walls. Man, this isn't the same body you're living in. Man, the older I get, the ready, I'm more ready for this body. Get rid of this body. Amen. 
That's what he's talking about here. Uh, let's skip down to verse 46. Pick it back up in verse 46 for time's sake. Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. What comes first is your natural body, then you get your spiritual body. It's in the right order. What comes first is your first birth. You're born of a, mo of a mother. You're born of a woman. That's your first birth. What's your second birth? When you're born again in Jesus Christ. Your first birth is through your mother, and you need to get a second birth. Jesus Christ said to Nicodemus, ye must be born again. You've got to be born again. You must be born again. Now, he didn't say you. Listen, he didn't say you must be born again. He'll be talking to Nicodemus there. He used the plural, which in the King James is ye. So when he says, Jesus Christ says, ye must be born again. He's not just talking to Nicodemus, brothers and sisters. He's talking to everybody in the world. Ye, ye. That's why I'm a King James believer. Ye must be born again. That's the correct translation. If you've got a Bible that says you, he's only talking to Nicodemus. I don't like the King James because it's got the ye's and the thou's and the... And I just don't get it. Well, you don't get it because you don't understand Greek and you don't understand the English language. We don't have a plural you. We, we're, we've, we've not gotten better. We de-evolved in our speaking of the English language. The plural of you is you all in Texas. Amen? So Jesus would have said, if he was from Texas, a good old Texas boy, Jesus would have said, you all need to be born again. Amen? But since he's not a stupid Texas boy like me, he says, ye, ye must be born again. You've got to have that second birth. Did I just say there was second death if you don't know Jesus Christ? Born once, born once, die twice. Born twice, you second birth. Born twice, die only once. Amen. Howbeit that which was not... That was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. That's Adam. That's mine and your body. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we also shall bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. You're not going to get into heaven with that body you're in right now. No way. And you know what? I don't want you in there. Because you get in there with that body like you have right now full of sin, you're going to mess things up for me. I don't want you in there. I don't want in there in this body because I'll mess things up. I need a new, clean, that's never had sin, that doesn't know sin, that doesn't know how to sin. I need that new glorified body that doesn't have sin running through it. So when I get into heaven, I'll be holy just like heaven's holy. Because if heaven's holy and you put flesh and blood that's not holy in there, heaven's not holy anymore. You can't inherit it. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, die, but we shall all be changed. God, heaven, glory to God that there's some of us in here that's never going to die, that Jesus Christ is going to come back, back at the rapture and boom, take us back, and some of us will be alive, and at that moment, we'll be changed. We won't ever have to taste death. We'll be changed, and we'll get that new glorified body right there without having to die first. That's what he's saying. We shall not all sleep, but, for we shall all, but we shall all be changed. We're all going to get this new body. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. 
If you're dead in Christ, you're going to be raised incorruptible. If you're alive, your body's going to be changed right there at that moment. For verse 53, for this corruptible, that's me, that's this body, must put on incorruption. And this mortal, the guy that dies, must put on immortality, never to die. So when this corruptible, that's me, shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal, the one that's going to die, shall put on immortality to never die, then shall be brought to pass a saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Amen. Amen. How do we get this victory? Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? There's nobody I've buried that's a born-again believer in Jesus Christ that the grave has won them, that the grave has beat them, that death has got them. When we, have, when we have funerals around here, we sing and praise God. They're gone on to heaven. They're in a lot better place. Yeah, we have some sorrow because we're going to miss them, but we know where they're at. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Where do we get the victory? The sting of death is sin. That's why you're going to die. And the strength of sin is the law. The law makes it a sin. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory. Through who? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, it's all about Jesus Christ. It's always going to be about Jesus Christ. And he's going to take this old body. And you're going to throw it out in a grave. Or you're going to burn it through a furnace. What are you going to do to it? And he's going to take that little seed. And here we go. Woo! He's going to raise you up. He's going to give you a new body. And if you're alive at that time when he comes back at the rapture, boom! You're going to get that new body in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. Now you say, well, how's he going to raise me up and give me a new body? What about my soul? What, what, the Bible tells us. Let's close out in 1 Thessalonians 4. The Bible tells us what's, what that's going, what's going to take place at that rapture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. And I know I'm running a little late, a little long, but I'll get this done pretty quick and we'll get out of here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. I'm going to show you this. So you've got to have a new body in Jesus Christ. You've got to have a new body. You've got to be a trinity. God's a trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. You've got to be a trinity. You're a body, a soul, and a spirit. And when you die, you lose that body. So God says, I'll give you a new body. It's going to be immortal. It's going to be uncorruptible. It's going to be like unto Jesus Christ. Man, can't get a better deal than that. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. This is the famous verses again on the rapture. But I will not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. See, he's talking about those who have died. It's referring to them as being asleep. That you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. When you go to a funeral of somebody who's lost, it's a lot different attitude than when you go to a funeral of somebody who's saved. And I've preached both. I preach both. It's a lot different attitude. It's a lot different atmosphere. There's a, it's just different. We don't have sorrow. And please, 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 if you don't know Jesus Christ, please come to Jesus Christ. Please get saved. I can't beg you enough for your own good, but just for your family, for when, they, when you pass away, they'll know where you're at. Amen. There's nothing more sad than, than to preach a funeral and that we're not for sure if you're saved or lost. That, that's, that's sad. It's, it's horrible is what it is. Verse 14, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, which we do, even so them which also, also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Oh, here we go. That explains what's going on there in 1 Corinthians 15. So if you die, your soul departs, and it's be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So you die, you go up to be with Jesus Christ up in heaven, but at the rapture, when, he, when these bodies are going to be resurrected out of this graveyard over here, 
And when you're, if you are alive, well, that trumpet will sound. And Jesus Christ, when he comes down to be in the air, he's bringing your soul with him. You're coming back with him. See, that, that's what he's saying there. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, verse 14, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. So we're up in heaven with him. It's time for Jesus Christ to come back and rapture out his body, the church. He sends Jesus Christ back. If you're dead in Christ, you come back with Jesus Christ. And at that moment, there in verse 15, but for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. This is something the Lord told Paul. That we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. He's saying we're not going to prevent, pre-event, precede. We're not going to go before those that are in the grave. We're not going to go before them. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, there's that trump, with the voice of the archangel with, and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. They rise first, so in that moment, be like, boom, and then those, those, they'll get to rise first. They'll, those new bodies will rise out of those graves, and those souls that Jesus Christ brought with him, they go into those bodies, into those new glorified bodies. The soul and spirit goes into those new glorified bodies. There's the image of God, body, soul, and spirit. And if you're alive at that time when Jesus Christ, you hear that trump and that shout, you're going to be changed in a moment. And right there, you'll be changed. Wherever you're at, your body will be changed. You'll get that new glorified body. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, because we've got a six-foot head start on them. And then we which are alive and remain, that's us, if you're alive when the rapture happens, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. Here we go, all of us together to Jesus Christ, to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen. That's what's going to happen to you when you die. You die, your soul's going to depart your body, you're either going to go to heaven with the angels or you're going to be drugged down into hell. And you're going to wait. And when the rapture takes place, if you're in heaven, living in heaven with the Lord, the rapture takes place, He's going to come back, He's going to bring you back with Him. That body will come out of that grave and your soul will go right into there and woo, you're going to feel, oh, this is it right here. And you're going to look over there and there with some of your loved ones that are still alive, they're going to be changed. And here we go, all together, we'll be with the Lord in the air. That's what's going to happen to your body after you die. That's what's going to happen to your soul after you die. And I hope, according to what Paul said right here in verse 18, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Amen. I hope this was a comfort to you if you're saved, that you know that no matter what happens to me, we're all going to die. We try our best ability to keep this body going. And I've said it before in here, you could bring somebody down here and maybe I could be a miracle worker and I could slap them on their forehead and, and you, could, you could be in a wheelchair and they'd lift you up out of the wheelchair and you'd say, I've never walked, look, I'm walking and praise God, look, Brother Keegan's healed me and now I can walk. You know what's going to happen to you? You're still going to die. Everybody that Jesus Christ healed in the New Testament, they died. Including Lazarus, he raised him up, he went right back down into the grave and died. God doesn't want you to keep this body. It's going in the dirt one way or another. Jesus Christ is the only way you're going to get out of this mess you're in. Amen. You're in a mess. What do you mean, brother? You're in a mess because you will die. Amen. Nobody's gotten away from that. All the smartest men, Einstein, they all died, every one of them. Stephen Hawkins saying all this stuff, he died. He's dead. My mom's dead. My dad's dead. Everybody I know is dead. You're going to die. Bad news. And the only way out of this is through Jesus Christ. 
So you got the man that says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. You have the man that says, Martha, I am the resurrection. And you say, well, how does you, for sure it's not, it's him and not Muhammad. And listen, he came out of the grave on the third day and he's still alive to this day. They never found his bones. They're not going to find his bones. You're never going to find the bones of Jesus Christ. You need Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. If you don't have him as your Lord and Savior, man, you're in bad shape. You're about to go to hell. Fast. Well, why hasn't Joe Osteen spoke about hell? He's got a lot of people giving him a lot of money. I don't want your money. I don't want your money. I don't want your attention. I don't even want you as a friend. I just want you to go to heaven. Amen. That's all I want. I, just want. I don't want you to go to hell. Hell is, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. And I've had some bad enemies. Hell is for real. And when you die, you need Jesus Christ. So he'll be there to take you up. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Father, for your grace and mercy through Jesus Christ and your precious blood. And Father, if there's somebody needs to sound my voice, that if they were to die tonight, Lord, they wouldn't know if they went to heaven or hell. Father, I ask you just to speak to the heart the truth. Father, show them what you need, that they need to come and receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And Father, I just thank you, Lord, that when we take our last breath, when we leave this old wicked world, in the valley of the shadow, Father, that you'll be there with us and you'll take us through. And you'll take us on to glory and the bright and heavenly glory, Lord. We can't wait. Lord, I've got so many people I love up in heaven right now, Lord, that you're taking care of, and I thank you, Father. I thank you for a place called heaven. And, Father, there's somebody that's, that's getting close to going there, Lord God. I, Father, I just pray you'll make heaven real to them. And, Lord, if there's somebody needs the sound of my voice that just doesn't care, they don't know if they're going to heaven or hell, but they don't believe any of this is real, Lord. Father, I pray with earnesty, Lord, that you would make hell real to them. Lord, make the flames of hell as real to them as they can get, Father. Make it real to them, Father. Make them, make them contemplate, Lord, that they will spend an eternity in torment because you can't allow them into heaven as an unholy being, Lord God. And Father, I just pray that you'd forgive us of our sins, Lord. Forgive us of our iniquities. Thank you for taking care of us. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, amen. amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now that's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world, but... Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not 
is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him